Amen. Amen. Hey, if you guys would, turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter number 11. We, we've been, oh, hi. Um, we've been in uh, this, this uh, book and this chapter for the last couple of weeks, and we got this week and then one more week as we are in our unforced series. Matthew chapter 11, verses uh, 28 through 30. If you're newer to your Bible, easiest way to find it is turn to the very front of your Bible. If you have a physical one, look in that uh, uh, table of contents section, find the New Testament section, be the very first name, Matthew. And then turn to that page number, find the big number 11, and then the little numbers next to the sentence is 28. I'm going to read 28 through 30, um, or we'll just have it up on the screens for you guys as well, too. Um, <clears throat> I'm so excited about our child dedications. We, we, we so value family here at Rhythm Church. It's so important to us. And so that's why we put a lot into our, our, our kids' ministry. We have a fantastic kids' ministry. And just family in general. We love family. And so we have a a little baby lounge. We call it baby lounge, but it's for maybe if your kid isn't ready to go yet into the kids' ministry, but you still want to enjoy service, we got it streaming in a little room out there and to the right. So if anytime you have a baby in here and they start to fuss a little, just feel free to go in there and watch the service. <clears throat> and then also, um, I'm a little sick today. Um, and so uh, I'm, um, I've taken... Um, a store brand Dayquil, because the original stuff is too expensive. So I've got the store brand Dayquil in me. So if it gets a little weird today, blame it on the cough medicine. Amen. Uh, anybody, anybody experienced the sickness, the illness lately? Anybody not? Anybody you've not gotten sick yet? Raise those hands high. That's awesome. Wow, good for you. That's great. You can come give me a hug later. Uh, I'll greet you with a holy kiss in the Lord, and um, we'll go ahead and test your faith. All right. <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Matthew chapter 11, if you're there, say amen. amen. All right, that sounds like most of you. Here we go. It says this. It's Jesus speaking, and Jesus speaking to a crowd of people here. And he says, it says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In our unforced collection of talks, I just want to um, talk to you today about uh, this idea of easy does it. Easy does it. Easy does it. Anybody NWA fans from back in the early 90s? But you ought to know by now, easy does it. All right. Okay, let's pray, because obviously, dear Lord, forgive me. Um, Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that we get to gather in this place. We just ask now that as we open your word, you'd speak to us. Father, that you would speak. God, that we would listen, that we'd hear from you. Um, Lord, that we would begin to trade our way of humanity for your way of humanity. And God, that we would truly learn from you and walk with you and be close to you. And so, Lord, we ask now that you would convict us. If there's er any area of our life that should not be there, that, God, that you would, you would tell us so. Lord, and that you would encourage us. God, continue to encourage us in the way to live and the way to do and the way to love. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said. Amen. Since it's um, <clears throat> Super Bowl Sunday, I thought I should talk about sports a little bit today. Yep, come on, sports. Um, I played sports as a, as, a young, as a young kid through high school a little bit, too. My first ever sports experience was in 1984. Um, six years old, my mom was on this little was on a season of being clean and sober. So she thought, "Hey, you know what? Let's be like a you know, like normal everyday American family." And so uh, she got me into soccer. She put me in soccer, and I got to tell you, as a natural, played for the Dolphins, the Dolphins soccer team, was number eleven. If you guys ever maybe heard of me before, and um, first, very first, very first practice, scored a goal. Scored a goal in my very first practice, only goal the entire season. 
this first in his practice against my own team. Um, but but the, the, the rest of the season, though, we didn't win an entire game. We didn't win an entire game for the entire season. And the reason why I know that we didn't win any game is because in the early 80s, we kept score. We kept score. Um, today, they don't keep score. Some about self-esteem and, like, don't want our kids to feel like they're not winners. Um, and so when my daughter played, when my daughter was little, little, and she played for a team, um, <clears throat> We'd take them out, and it was just so cute. They'd all run around and kick the ball and try to kick them in these little goals and whatnot. And, and at the very end, everyone leaves, and yay, we're all winners. But I know who won because I kept score. I know exactly who scored the goals. I know exactly how many. Any parents with me like that, come on, raise them high. It's okay. That's good. Yeah, we're a little competitive and a little probably messed up in the head, but that's fine. Um, <clears throat> but I, th- I think, like, honestly, like, I-, I understand what that's about, like, you know, helping to raise kids, you know, to think that, you know, like, good self-esteem, that we're all winners, and so on and so forth. There does come a time, though, when they do start to understand that they are measured. There, there does come a time when they start to understand that, that their performance in some way, shape, or, or form matters, whether it's in school and they start to get the grades, or maybe it is when they continue on in their athletics and there is the score that is kept and they do get rejected for the team. And there are all these different things that we kind of like happen as we get older. So the idea of protecting people from the idea of being evaluated on your performance, I don't think is necessarily good. But I will say this. I will say that too many of us in this room, we put too much into our performance and we start to base our own self-worth and our own opinions about ourselves based on these outside evaluations that ultimately matter not for eternity. Personally, myself, I've I've done this throughout my entire life, whether it was my, well, I wouldn't say it was for my education. I knew early on I wasn't that smart, so it wasn't going to matter, but I'm like, I'm the king of C's make degrees, people, or diplomas or whatever. It doesn't matter. A 2.7 is a strong GPA <clears throat> for some people. So, you know, I just got to say, some people got to be average. You know, we can't all be excellent. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm going to get to the Bible in a sec. Hold on. Um, <clears throat> but we, we, get to, we, 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 can, we can start to evaluate our, ourselves based on this. And this is nothing new today. This has been happening for centuries where people evaluate their own worth, their, their own um, 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 value based on these outside influences. And in the last couple of weeks, we've talked about this because Jesus is addressing it with these people. When he talked to them about being weary, he's talking about this idea of all of these things that they, they heap on themselves, these expectations these, that they, they heap on these, themselves, these situations that they get themselves into, which then messes with who they are and they think they have to perform in order to get out of them. And, and then the burdens as well. The burdens are the, the expectations and the situations that others place on you, whether it's from the world or whether it's a part of a religion or a faith that you've been a part of. And it just it heaps these things on you. And it makes us live this life, which is um, it, it's, it, it causes us to live a performance humanity, which none of us can live up to. Because there's always something better. There's always someone smarter. There's always someone greater. There's always somebody faster. There's always something better. There's always a better husband. There's always a better wife. There's always better kids. There's always better, better, better. And so we live our lives not in a, in a, in a humanity that Jesus designed for us, but we live our lives based on a humanity that the world has pressed upon us. And Jesus, when he's speaking to these people, he says, look, here, if you're weary, meaning you put all this on yourself, or, me, or if you're burdened, somebody else will put this on you, come to me because I'm going to give you rest. 
I'm the one that can give you rest from this. And then in this next little portion, he begins to tell them how. He says, take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you. Get rid of the old yoke and take my yoke upon you. Now, for, for us, the, the, some of us may understand what yoke is. Some of us may not. Back then, it was much more of an agricultural society, and so they, they knew what a yoke was. But a yoke is basically this. Throw up on the screen. It's, it's a, a wooden contraption that, that binds two beasts of burden together, whether it's oxen or cattle or whatnot, for a purpose. So they would lock them into these wood things, and then they would have them plow a field. You would, like, you know, plow fields or pull carts or whatever it was, but it was a yoke. And because the, the Israelites, the Hebrews, understood that from their time in Egypt being slaves and having to drive these yoke and these cattle and these oxen all, these, all the times, they understood that a yoke meant that you were bound to something. And so for, for them in their culture, they began to, to kind of use it almost like a slang term, like your, your yoke. And you see in the Bible, yoke often refers to, it represents servitude. It represents servitude. So you'd hear of a yoke of slavery. And, and then you would hear uh, about, like, um, that they were yoked to certain nations. Like they were, they were yoked to Egypt, or they were yoked to Babylon, or they were yoked to the Assyrians, which just means that they were under the rule of, and they were forced to then serve those countries. And the people that Jesus are speaking to are under the yoke of Rome, the Roman Empire. And there's this, massive, there's this massive fear amongst the Hebrews is that they were going to become like they'd seen so often with the Babylonians, with the Assyrians, with these other nations that they were ruled by that, man, if we're under their yoke, then we're going to begin to live like them and we're going to begin to look like them. We're going to begin to do what it is that they do. And, and, and there was actually a term for a lot of the Hebrews that began to take on Roman influence in their lives. They called them the Hellenistic Jews. They were the people that began to live more like the society they were part of than those that were following the Lord. Now, today, I, I wouldn't say, like, man, we're under the yoke of the United States because I think we live in the best country in the world. I know we've, we've got our issues. I know we've got a lot of stuff that we still have to work out and a lot of different social justice matters and race matters and cultural matters. I know we have a lot of stuff that we have to get through still, but it's awesome that we do live in a country where we can still work through it. Amen. But I, I would say that maybe we're not under a, a yoke of the United States, but maybe we're under the yoke of the American dream. Maybe we're under the, the yoke of, of, of trying to achieve and accomplish what it is our, our culture says that we should achieve and accomplish. That maybe some of us in here are under the yoke of our careers. Maybe some of us are, 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 are under the yoke of, <clears throat> of parenting. Like I mean, like I mean, just just to consider the modern day mother. I mean, in order to be a successful modern day mother, mother, not only do you have to work full time, you have to take care of your kids full time, to take care of that husband full time, who oftentimes is worse than the kids, but that's beside the point. And then you have to make sure the house and everything is like set and dialed, and dinner is ready, and then you got to post it all to Instagram, people. <laughs> Hashtag killing the game, you know, like. We, we think like, like we, we think, we think these ways that these are the, and, and so now you're living under this yoke that you're attached to your, your career. Instead of your career serving you, you're now serving your career. 
And these things that we've yoked ourselves to, a lot of them, they're just meant to serve us. They're meant to be extras. They're meant to be additives to our lives. But instead, they become the the key component of our lives. And we now serve them instead of them serving us. Our sexuality, our, our, our degrees that we're trying to obtain, the retirement that we're going after, the materialism that we live in. Like we, everything we can do to buy a house. So we sacrifice all else. Is that the yoke that you want to live under? So there is this idea of, of, of servitude to the, uh, the, the dreams and, and the goals and whatnot. And then there's this idea of obligation. A yoke was your obligation. Your yoke was your obligation to God. And within, <clears throat> within, um, uh, within the Israelite religion, there was, there, you would have um, different yokes. You'd have your yoke to God. You'd have your yoke to the command of God. You'd have your yoke to the laws of God. <clears throat> you'd, and then you'd have your yoke to a rabbi that you were particularly connected to. And you had to make sure that you were then obligated to do all of those things, make sure that you could take care of all of those things. And, and it got so crazy for them, and they were so worried about breaking any of these commands, breaking any of these laws, that they began to write books on how not to break these commands. So they had commands on how not to break the commands. They had laws on how not to break the laws. It was written down. There's, this, there, there, there's a collection of writings. It's called the, the Talmud. And, and what it was was all of these learned rabbis and Hebrew scholars and what would begin to write down, well, in order not, in order not to break the Sabbath, because we don't want to break the Sabbath, God says not, not to break the Sabbath. So in order not to break the Sabbath, we got to make sure that we don't take a certain amount of steps on that Sabbath, because if so, then we're doing too much work. So don't do this and don't do that. And in order, in, in order for us to be truly, <coughs> truly clean, <coughs> we gotta, we got to make sure that we, like, that we wash and that we rinse and that we get mikvud a certain way, like, which is basically a term to get dunked and undunked. But like, the, in order to do this, we got to make sure that this happens because otherwise then we won't be ceremonially clean before the Lord and therefore we've broken God's laws. And what they did is it became more about serving God's laws than they became about serving God. And if we're not, if we're not careful today... We find ourselves in the same trap where we become more about making sure that we are moral than, a, than in a relationship with the Lord. And, and uh, today what, we, what we, we do, we don't necessarily write like laws that, you know, to, to make sure we're following God's laws and God's commandments and so on and so forth. But we will bend our Christianity in order to fight culture. And what I mean by, and what I mean by this um, is that there's certain aspects. We'll, we'll take prohibition for, because we want to talk about nothing modern day and make people mad and argumentative, and I don't want you to leave the church yet. <clears throat> give, give us a few months. Um, but like, but like back in, 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 in there was there was this fight against against alcoholism, right? And a lot of it was led by the church, and there was this. So all of a sudden now in the church, alcohol was a sin. Alcohol was a sin. Now, it doesn't say anywhere in Scripture that alcohol is a sin. It says to be given to drunkenness, meaning being drunk on a regular basis, that is the sin. That's the sin. But, like, even, even Paul tells Timothy, you can have a little wine for your stomach. Anybody got any stomach issues? <laughs> Some of you guys are going home today going, my stomach just don't feel right. <laughs> Pastor said. So, like, <clears throat> 
Now that's so, but they took it. They took it to this extreme, and all of a sudden, alcohol. Well, alcohol is is a sin. It's not what Scripture says. And in some in some denominations and movements in the past, they're like, well, dancing is a sin. Where does it say that dancing is a sin? Well, dancing is a sin because it leads to lust and all sorts of other crazy things, like in Footloose. You guys remember Footloose? <laughs> Little Kevin Bacon. Footloose. I don't know where that. Sorry, Dayquil. <clears throat> um, so, so, and, it's, and, and if you've grown up in the church, if you haven't, man, in, in a lot of ways, kind of congratulations, you get to start fresh. But if some of us who have grown up in certain denominations and movements, again, I'm, I don't want to blast anything or anyone, please don't hear that. But, <clears throat> but we do grow up with these ideas that aren't necessarily scripturally based. They were reactions to culture at a certain time. And so we have to get back to, well, what does exactly the Bible say about it? What does the Bible say? It's, it's not, look, our, 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 our faith is not just about morality. It's not about morality. And we get far too caught up in our morality. Like, so many of us want our kids to be good and moral. When we, want, when we should want our kids to be godly and loving. You know, I mean, we can be, we can be good people all we want. We can be as moral as, as we can be. But look, understanding, when you have, when, when, when the Holy Spirit begins to work in your life, morality is a byproduct of it. It's not the goal, it's a byproduct. It's what happens when God does a work in your life. It's not about modifying your behavior, it's about transforming your heart, right? <clears throat> and so, we have to get back to the original um, interpretation of the Bible. Because again, yoke also was a slang term. Yoke would have been a slang term for a rabbi's interpretation of the Bible. And so people would like, I like the way that you teach the law. I like the way that you teach the prophets. I'm going to hang out with you, rabbi. I'm going to be with you. And, and what Jesus is inviting people into is first he's inviting into like, look, look, let's get this yoke of servitude off you. Look, let's get this yoke of obligation off you. And look, you got to get back to like understanding the Bible by the one who wrote it. He's saying, take my yoke upon you. Take my interpretation of the scripture upon you. And he's the one that wrote it. Jesus. Jesus wrote the Bible via the Holy Spirit. God, Father. And the, God, sorry, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and then the Holy Spirit. So he's the one that wrote it. And if you ever want to know what the original interpretation is meant to, to, like, if you ever read a book and you want to know what they meant by that, who do you ask? The author. If there's ever a weird part, like, anybody ever watch those Quentin Tarantino movies? Sinners. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love them. Um, but, if you have, but if you ever watch, like, sometimes, like, you'll get him off camera, and then he, he kind of explains it, and you're like, oh, now I get how that all worked together, right? So if we ever want to get to, like, what did Jesus actually mean by this, we got to ask Jesus. We got to ask the Holy Spirit. And the Bible tells us in 1 John that, like, the anointing will teach us, meaning the Holy Spirit will teach us. And, that, and, and by the way, it's not meant to be done on your own. It's not meant to be done, like, by yourselves, because anyone who goes away by themselves, secludes themselves, and gets into scriptures oftentimes comes out with some really weird stuff. And that's why we all collectively get together. That's why church is so important. That's why rhythm small groups are so important, is because we get together and we discuss things and we discover things together. And we get to hear from, from God together. And he says, take my yoke. Learn from me. Like, learn this stuff. Because I'm the one who wrote it. I've got this. 
And a gospel that always has you striving but never arriving is not the gospel. I saw that on, on Facebook the other day from a friend. <clears throat> but I'm sure he stole it from someone. So you guys, if you quote it, you can just put Jeff Moore's on there. <laughs> My Twitter handle is at Jeff Moore's. Anyway, so a gospel that always has you striving but never arriving is not the gospel. It's not the gospel. You have to understand that with the gospel, you've already arrived. You've already arrived. So he says, look, you got you to get rid of this old yoke. Because the old yoke is about servitude and obligation. And the old yoke is servitude and obligation. So he says, take, take the new yoke. The new yoke is about sonship and freedom. Jesus' yoke is sonship and freedom. In um, Romans chapter 8, verse 15, it says, The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Now, sonship, daughtership, I'm just, you know, it's included in, in, in all, meaning that you've been now adopted into his family, and we get to call him Abba, Father. And Abba isn't a fancy word. As a matter of fact, Abba is one of the most simplest words in, in the entire universe. It's, um, it's Aramaic. It's an Aramaic word, and it means daddy. It means daddy. It would be um, in, in, in households, what would take place is, you know, like, um, how many dads in the house today? Just raise your hands. Come on, dads. I love being a dad. Come on. Thank our dads. Dads are awesome. One of, one of the things that um, I taught my children very early on, um, before they could even speak, is I would lean over them, and I would say, Dada? Dada? Because I, I wanted my kids to say me first. <laughs> Dada? Dada, 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 and 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 they learned early on. So your your kid when they start early is that dada, 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 dada. They walk around dada, and you like we like globally, <laughs> my kid can talk. They're just making noise, but like we're just excited, right? The same thing in in Aramaic in, in those households that spoke Aramaic. It was abba, 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 and so it became this term that only those closest to the father in the household could call the dad or the man of the house Abba, Abba. And so, again, people reading this understand this. Oh, and by him, I get to call him daddy. I get to call him daddy. I love it when my kids call me daddy. You know, notice your, your kids don't, like, they don't come out and they're like, father? <laughs> oh, isn't he cute? Father. You know, like, it doesn't happen. So there's something, there's, some, there's something so sweet and sincere about this. There's, so something, there's something so sweet and innocent about this term. And that's how it is that we relate to Jesus. That's how we relate to God, is we get to call him Abba. We are, we're his sons. Now, I know some of us in here are, are like, but, um, but Jeff, we're servants of the Lord. <laughs> I know no one, none of you speak like that. It'd be really funny if afterwards you're like, Jeff, what do you just got to say? <laughs> that message. Um, it's like, Elvis, you're alive. Um, okay. Where am I? 
So, <clears throat> we're not, we're not, we're not servants. We're not. Serving is something we do, but we're not servants. Like, can you imagine if, if I was introducing to you my, my, my beautiful family, my wonderful family, and I, I pointed to um, the boy of the house and was like, this is Israel. He takes out the garbage every Monday, empties them all out, dumps them in the dumpster, takes them to the curd every Tuesday, pulls them right back in. Hey, this, this other one, this blonde one, this one's called Isla. She scrubs our toilets. Awesome, awesome kid. And then, um, and then this other one, India, she's our, uh, she's our dishwasher emptier. Yep, usually every morning because we go through a lot of dishes in the Morris house. She's in there. She's emptying our dishes. This is them. Can you imagine them introducing themselves like that? Hi, I'm Israel. I'm the garbage boy. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just the garbage boy in the house of my father. <laughs> like, we're, like, we're, we're not just servants. It's something that we do. And so many of us find ourselves serving to get to that place of sonship instead of serving from that place of sonship. And it's quite simple. It's quite simple because I know a lot of we, we get into this thing. Well, like if I could just do more, if I just do more for the Lord, if I just do more, if maybe if I come to church more, and it, maybe if I, if, I, if I worship harder, and it, maybe if, I, if, I, if I'm a part of a group, if I lead a group, hopefully I brought enough canned goods today. If I do all this stuff, then maybe God's going to accept me in this whole thing. That when, when, when the Lord tells us about salvation, when Jesus tells us about salvation and he talks about repentance, it's more than just repentance from sin. It's repentance into our identity. It's us now understanding who we are, that we are not like servants. We're not outcasts. We're not like condemned. We are now sons. We are now daughters. And then when we get to that point, when we serve, we have nothing to prove. I've got nothing to prove to you. You've got nothing to prove to me. We just simply get to serve from a place. And, and how we serve the Lord, and again, this is another one because we get, all, we, we, we get all caught up in that too. Like, well, serving God. I mean, I'm serving the Lord, so it makes, I got to get to church every Sunday. By the way, you should get to church every Sunday. It's great, especially Rhythm Church. But it's not just about that. It's, about, it's not about like showing up every week and making sure I'm serving the Lord because I got on my knees today in worship. Or I'm serving the Lord because I raised my hands higher than anybody else today. I'm serving the Lord because I've been in the Bible every day this week. No, it, it, it's, that's not necessarily serving the Lord. That's, man, helping. That's like growing in your relationship. That's showing gratitude. That's awesome. But we serve the Lord by serving others. We look at the example that Jesus set. He said, I didn't come to rule, but I came to serve. I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve. And the way that we serve him is by serving other people. Just like he did. By showing that love, by showing that grace, by showing that mercy. But again, by being a voice who those, for those that don't have a voice, providing those for, providing them for those in need. In Matthew 25, um, he's, he's, Jesus is telling these parables. And he's telling these parables about <clears throat> um, like the kingdom of heaven and what that's going to be like. And he gets into this one particular where he has these, these two people that, that come before him and and one is like, uh, <clears throat> um, one's like, hey, um, man, we did all this stuff in your name. We prophesied, did cool stuff, like on fire for you, Lord. And he just goes, man, away from me. I didn't know you. 
And, and, and then there's another crew that comes, and, and, uh, and he says, hey, you know, basically, well done. Thanks a lot. Like, you took care of me when I was in need. I know you. And he says, well, they, they go, how? Oh, wait, what do you mean? He says, well, by the way, this is the, the Jeff Moore's Dayquil version of it all. <laughs> he says, um, he says, well, when I was hungry, you fed me. And he says, when I was in prison, you visited me. When I was naked, you clothed me. And they go, when did we do that for you? He goes, I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. And we have to, we have to get that, that, that the way... Man, the way the Lord works so much is through people interacting with people. It's, it's for you to be the person to go up to, you know, the, your buddy that you're working with. Or maybe he's not your buddy or she's not your buddy. And for you to be the listening ear that day. Maybe, maybe for you it's recognizing, again, that there's somebody in need, and so we're going to empty out our cupboards and bring cans so that you know, the um, homeless people can eat and those that are less fortunate than us can, can, can be nourished. Like there's, there's these things, or, or maybe because you have a voice and a platform, maybe it's you taking that voice and platform and not just propagating you or your own interests, but maybe, maybe the interests of others. And I know that <clears throat> this can be hard. You know, especially because we go like, man, sometimes on a daily basis, I'm barely making it. On a daily basis, I mean, like, yes, this all sounds great, but, man, if I'm going to be a voice from, for, for others, I think sometimes I need somebody to be a voice for me. I mean, can we be honest? And that's Okay. But we can't find ourselves slipping back into that place then of like, okay, well, then I'm going to do more so the Lord's pleased more. And, um, <clears throat> sorry, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, <coughs> it says this. It says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. And that yoke of slavery doesn't mean a, a slavery to another person. As you read on in Galatians chapter 5, it means a yoke of slavery to the law. Meaning, you're living your life trying to accomplish your righteousness, trying to do more, live more, be better in order to please Jesus. Again, remember last week, he's already pleased with you. That's not what that's about. So anytime we find ourselves in a place where we're trying to live better, do more, all these different things, we nullify the sacrifice of Christ. We say, that's good, Jesus, I'm glad you took care of that for me, but I can take care of all this other stuff on my own. Which means it's okay to admit that we're weak. Can I get an amen? It's okay to admit that we are weak and that we are in need of Jesus. We don't have to be strong enough to accomplish this. And I think, honestly, the more we can be honest about this stuff, the more that he shows up in, in strength. In 1 Corinthians, sorry, 2 Corinthians, let's throw that up there, 2, 2 Corinthians says, but, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That, <clears throat> that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weakness. I delight in insults, hardships, and persecutions, and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 
And you don't have to put on a game face, people. I know so many of us, we wake up in the mornings, we put on our game face. I can do this. I can take care of this. I got this day. Daily affirmations or whatever it is. Like, I mean, like, I, I, mean, I, I have things I go through every day, but a lot of times I go through them going, Jesus, you have to do this for me because I am not strong enough right now. God, I am not strong enough to pastor a church. God, I am not strong enough to parent teenage girls. <laughs> really. God, I'm not strong enough to parent a teenage boy. God, I'm not strong enough. God, I can't, I can't do this on my own. And he doesn't want you to. He does not expect you to. As a matter of fact, some of you guys, you wake up every day and you're like, I can do this. You can't. You can't. And you find yourself burnt out time after time after time because you are trying to do it on your own. And the Lord says, give me that burden. Give me that weariness. Give that to me. Take my yoke. Hey, give me that old yoke of, of trying to um, be obligated and serving and all that stuff. No, take on the new yoke of being a son, being a daughter. Take on the new yoke of being free, but of being free to live this life. That's the way that we're supposed to do this is we give it to him. He's our strength. He is our strength. Please, 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 it's okay to be weak. It's hard, I mean, it, it's hard to be a parent, people. It's hard to be a dad. It's hard. It's honestly, in a lot of ways, it's hard to be a, 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 a man with the expectations that are placed on men today. It's hard to be a woman with all the expectations that are placed on women today. It's hard. And we're never meant to have that yoke upon us. We're meant to have his yoke. And the great thing is, and as, as, I, as I close and... It's kind of, it's a little bit of a preview into next week's service, and you really don't want to miss next week's. It's going to be really good, but. Is that with the yoke, this is what would take place, is, is oftentimes with yokes in that day is they would take a much stronger, much more capable, much more able, much more experienced animal. And then they would attach it with a much weaker, much younger much more incapable, inexperienced animal. And they would have them plow alongside or move alongside, move alongside each other so that the weaker, less experienced, incapable animal would learn. And what Jesus is inviting us to do is he's saying, be yoked with me. Be yoked with me. Be connected with me because we're going to walk together in this. We're going to go together in this. And you're going to learn how to do this life with me in this. You're going to learn a new way to be human. Take off the old yoke. Take off the yoke of the American dream. Take off the yoke of Rome. Take off the obligation to a law. And just let's, let's, let's walk in sonship and daughtership and freedom together. Let's do this. Let's switch a mindset. Let's repent, of course, from our sins. But... No, into sonship, into daughtership. Let's live this life together. That's what he designed it for. Would you guys pray with me? Father, we come and we thank you. We thank you for your great love. We thank you for your great grace. And we thank you, Lord, that your yoke is so much easier, so much lighter. And it's what we're meant to be yoked to. So I just want to pray for two different areas real fast in here. One, if, if you would say that you're in here this morning, and this is just a time between you and the Lord, if you're in here this morning and you say, man, I'm, 
I feel like I'm, I'm yoked to obligation. Maybe your faith has become more of an obligation than the freedom it's supposed to be. And maybe you're, you're yoked to the servitude where, you, man, you've been serving your career. You've been serving these, these hashtag goals. You've been serving all of these things, and you want to get back to just a place of just being a son or a daughter. If that's you, and you'd say, you know what, man, that spoke to me. I just, I just want to pray for you real quick. Everyone, eyes, eyes closed. Would you just raise your hand in the air? I just want to know who we're praying for this morning for that stuff. That's awesome. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. Yeah, Jesus set us free this morning. For every hand that was raised, just set us free, God. God, we trade the old yoke. We trade it, and we take on the new. We thank you that you call us sons and you call us daughters, and we thank you that there's so much freedom in you. There's so much freedom. We don't have to accomplish more or do more. We get to simply serve from a place of being your children. And secondly, I just want to give opportunity with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're in here this morning and you've not given your life to Jesus, you have no relationship with him. But maybe what you heard today has resonated in your heart. And there's something inside you today saying, you know what, I, I need this relationship. I need, I need this. I need to be set free from these burdens and stuff. I'm, I'm bearing these things that are will give, just putting so much weight on me. And, and, and you need to be forgiven of your sins. So much of that weight is because of the sin that's in your life, the wrong things that have just piled up. And you have a guilt and you have a weight upon you that you were never meant to bear. That's why 2,000 years ago, Jesus came. He came. He's God. He lived on earth as a man. And he took your sins upon him. The punishment of your sins was death and an eternal death. And he took that and he buried him. And he was resurrected so that way you could live forever with him in relationship in heaven. And it may not all make sense right now, but that's okay. But you know for sure, man, that you need something different, that you want a fresh start in this life. And so that that's you. Every eyes cloud, every, every, every head is bowed. If you want to give your life to Jesus, I'm going to count to three. I want you to raise your hand in the air, and we're going to pray with you. And this prayer isn't what gives you the fresh start. Just your decision gives you the fresh start. But this prayer is going to help you start a conversation with Jesus. And he loves you. And he wants a relationship with you. So if you're in here, when I get to three, raise your hand. One, two, three right now. Yes, that's awesome. Come on. So good. It's so good. So good. So good. Is there anybody else? Anybody else before we pray? Anybody else? Awesome, awesome. All right, you can put your hands down. We're going to pray, and everyone's going to pray with us. We're all going to pray out loud because as we pray this out loud, you're going to know that you're not alone in this decision that you made, that there's so many people in here that love you and are excited for you and are going to stand with you in your new faith in Jesus. So everybody say, Dear Jesus, today I decide to give you my life. I thank you for a fresh start, and I thank you, Lord, that you've forgiven me from every wrong thing I've done or ever will do. Help me, Lord, to just be loved by you and to love others the same way. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we just give a big round of applause for all those that gave their life to Jesus? It was such a good Sunday. Come on. There you go, James.